Hey gang, Dre here from the desk of Motorsport 101. Just a quick heads up on a couple of things. First of all, forgive us, Cam Buckley still suffering from a fair amount of COVID and he does cough every once in a while over the course of this hour or so. Forgive us, uh, it was, it's genuinely quite hard to, head, to edit it out when, he's, when it's in the middle of him talking or monologuing. So hopefully it's not too disruptive. Second of all, forgive us for not putting this one out on early access. We wanted to get this out before the Australian Grand Prix and now with the latest breaking news that uh, the race has been brought forward by a day due to the high risk of wins on Sunday uh, we thought it was best to get this out now instead thanks for your patience and as always we hope you enjoy the show guaranteed to be slightly less chaotic than a petty Le Mans finish welcome back to Motorsport 101 Dre, what are you talking about? The finish was a whimper because all the competitors for the title were dead. That's exactly my point. <laughs> hey, guys, <sighs> welcome to episode 479 of Motorsport 101. Cam Buckley owes me a very long apology for getting me into sports cars, and he's now going to spend the next 10 minutes doing so on this episode about MotoGP's Indonesian Grand Prix. It totally makes sense. We're a well-organized podcast. I apologize for nothing other than the continued allowance of Pipo Durrani and Dennis Anderson to live. <laughs> <laughs> we, I, I actually I'm over watched, it. Yeah, you are so not. Um, Never be over it. <laughs> for those who don't know, last weekend, I obviously being a <laughs> guy that works for WTF one now, and obviously race weekends, I'm pretty busy. This this was a rare non F one race weekend in the back end of this of the, of the year because now we're in the block of five Grand Prix in the next six weeks to close out the year. Yay! Um, I, I got to watch Petit Le Mans. All ten hours of it. Yeah, I, I really, I was like, I'm going to stick this out for the course. I'm going to try and enjoy one of the headline sports car events of the year, and and, and it was a train wreck. <laughs> it was a goddamn mess. Um, the car, the car that I was rooting for in the title, um, got killed via contact via contact via dentist. Yeah, just like so one one bonk, second bonk, and then the third bonk was what took out the Porsche. I was like, oh, come on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The in- Inception McLaren was fused to the number six Porsche. Like something <laughs> be, out of the fly. Uh, had to be surgically removed. <laughs> and then, and, and then you know, the, the, final, the final battle, I mean, if you're just, just if you're on the inside of someone, God, to just hold your line, please. Right. For, for those who need a bit of context, maybe aren't the biggest sports car fan in the world, this was the two titled contending cars. These are the two favorites to win the title. Going into the final hour of, of, of Road Atlanta, and if you ever know that track, it's a it's quite low down, but it's an uphill turn one apex. Pipo Durrani has the inside line. <laughs> Felipe Albuquerque on the outside tries to go the long run, gets an excellent run going down the main straight tries to go around the outside of turn one. Pipo Durrani refuses to hold his line, knowing Felipe Albuquerque is on the left of him, put, punts him, puts him in the wall, puts Felipe in the hospital for the night. Um, thankfully, he's relatively okay. Um, and it leads to the number 31 of him and uh, uh, Alex Sims. Alex Sims and winning Jack, the title. Uh, Jack Aiken isn't the title winner, but uh, the plus one. Yeah. Um... Overall, we had some good times. We had some bad times, and mm. uh, 
Makes you want to throw up, personally. <laughs> um, I wish RJ was here, because RJ was boots on the ground, along with yeah. King. Um, and uh, all I say is that through things that we've heard from them, things that I've heard from other individuals with boots on the ground, well, this was a shit show. Yeah. Top to bottom. Yeah, like, this is... This... That was 10 hours of my time. I'm not getting back in a hurry. Um, that race was a mess. Um, you, you try, but, you know, it, it, it was just one of those races where the driving standards were just bad, generally speaking. To say nothing of the dentistry. Yes. Um, I tried. I tried, but, uh, you know, hey, that's a weekend off for you. They can't all be winners. Uh, <laughs> Den- dentistry, like the, 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 the P2 pitching the Ferrari into the sixth Porsche was some wisdom tooth extraction. Oh, that, that was a full-blown root canal right there. Beautiful, beautiful done. Beautifully done. Um, but we are here for one predominant reason, that is to review MotoGP's 2023 Indonesia Grand Prix. We're back at the Bay at Mandalika. Uh, no rain shaman required this time, thankfully. But uh, this title fight, it, it's taken another twist. I'm, I'm just convinced at this point no one actually wants to win the title. Maybe the real MotoGP champion will be the friends we made along the way. Or such as political sort of defense we lost along the way, given all the injuries we've had. That hits a little too close to home, considering this year. Yeah, so we'll, we'll get into some of that details, the main event picture, and the title scene, because uh, we thought Jorge <laughs> Martin was going to double up again this weekend, until he didn't. Uh, we'll also talk about some of the extra plus one stories. There were some fun ones across the field as well. A little bit about Johan Zarco, who turns out won't be going to Repsol Honda next year, despite Mark Marquez's departure. That's, well, that's one way to piss off the French before you even started his time at Honda. Good to know. Um, and a little bit about some interesting blogs that came out. There's rumors circulating that Bridgepoint, the parent company of, their, of Dorna Sports, might be selling their share. We'll have to wait and see. But... Uh, it's led to some interesting dialogues that we thought we'd, we'd talk about a little bit on the show this week in general. But first of all, before we get into that, here's the places you can find us real quick. We're on uh, Twitter at uh, Dre underscore WTF1, CBuckley917. RJ's back next week. Uh, he's uh, moved straight from Petit Le Mans to the United States Grand Prix in We're Austin, Texas. him far too much fun, Dre. I know! Like, and I thought Vegas was cool. I'm just like, no, my man's doing like three great big Grand Prix paddocks in three weekends. I'm so jealous of him. Oh, do I have a good one over there in Austin, buddy? Uh, say hi to Otmar for me if he's down there. Uh, we, we like Otmar here. Uh, he's a few, uh, we, we miss him. But uh, enjoy the show, big man, and, and enjoy your time out there. Hopefully we get a decent Grand Prix. Because Kota Loki, I think, has kind of become quite underrated on the F1 calendar. Well, well, but maybe that's maybe that's a, hot, a take for Hot Takes Wednesday instead. But if you want to find us personally, you can find us. That's that's Take. No, I don't think so either. Um, uh, uh, the podcast itself is at motorsport underscore 101. You can, if you really like us, you can back us on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash motorsport 101. You can back us there. Early access, five bucks uh, gets you access to all of our shows, 10 for the uh, supporters general of our Discord server. You can listen to these episodes live as we're going out. Uh, as Jason is right now, he's listening in. Hi, Jason. And he says in, in, in the chat here, the injury list has the same length as this injury reports urinating tree has at the end of this week in sports ball. Uh, Congratulations, this- Honda. <laughs> Jason's not wrong there. And boy, if you saw this week in sports ball this week, my God, that was the longest injury rundown I think I've ever seen. Ever. 
You mean needed a glass of water after he went through that list. (laughs) The football gods have no mercy. Amen. Um, And if you want to see some more thoughts from yours truly on um, the race itself in Indonesia, you can check out the blog section of motorsport101.com on the website. I wrote a little bit more about all of that. And my definitive Mark Marquez is leaving Honda post as well because I didn't actually do one. Uh, was quite busy, uh, annoyingly, uh, when the actual news dropped last week. Also, didn't get a chance to give her a mention, but I will do on the show as well. A massive thank you to Lila Oaks for the fantastic Mark Marquez ex Grassini uh, mock-up she did. That it just it absolutely pops seeing Mark Marquez on a Grassini already. Fantastic artwork. Go um, go check our website out at hylalila.com, H-I-Y-A-L-Y-L-A.com. She does fantastic work with Photoshop and motorsport concepts and things like that. And um, massive thanks to her for letting us use the artwork on the show. Thank you, Lila. Much appreciated. And um, uh, we really, really appreciate that. So thank you very much. Um, shout out to her. Let's get into it. Let's do MotoGP's Indonesian Grand Prix. Another title fight twist took place in Indonesia as the sport begins its, oh God, overloaded run of six races in seven weeks to close out the season. Jorge Martin wins the sprint. He looks comfortable at the front with a dozen laps to go in the Grand Prix. Goes wide and crashes. Opening the door for Pekko Banyaya to storm through the field and win from 13th on the grid after he failed to execute one. Mm. Well, did it, didn't, yeah, didn't, didn't make Q2 automatically. He had to go into Q1. Failed to get out of Q, Q1 because he was knocked out by his own teammate, Enea Bastianini. That Remember was a him? surprise. Remember He's him? Back? He's back. He's got, he's, got, he's got a healthy shoulder for the first time all year. <laughs> God. <laughs> Took that win ahead of Maverick Vinales and Fabio Quartararo on the podium. His best ride of the year. That was a Without phenomenal a performance. My One God. of the rides of the year. And with it, Benyaya reclaims the championship lead that he lost during the sprint and is now 18 points clear. How do we define the state of the title picture now? Dre, does anyone want to win this championship? I don't know anymore. Like, Jorge, I thought we were over this. Um, like, I, I really did. Um, for those who don't, who didn't see this maybe, or maybe only saw highlights, Jorge Martin got the start of the gods in this race. It was the, one of the best single starts off a, off a line I have ever seen. He started, I think it was what, back end of row two and was leading by three bike lengths by the time he hit the braking zone into turn one. Um, it's it's if you've ever played like an F zero game, you timed that boost start to perfection. It was uh, absolutely magnificent. Um, and Martin was comfortably clear. He was setting lap records. He was three seconds clear of the field at one point, and as exactly as Cam alluded to. Uh, went wide at turn ten, picked up some dirt on the on the tire, and then when he broke to, f- to switch for turn eleven, Cam, you know the, you know the phrase. Don't get to say this too often anymore. No, uh, it's usually a Honda these days. It's a throwback. <laughs> Death taxes. Ducati tucks the front. Hey, uh, it's say back. the line, Cam. <laughs> it's, it's it's back in winning time because we talked about it at length last time out that this is winning time this is more or less equal running on equal machinery between Pecco and martin for the last six uh the last you know run of races mm. <coughs> and um 
I just don't think anyone wants to win the title. Pecco <laughs> screws up qualifying, is mediocre in the sprint. Martin screws up the main race. Zeki's not healthy. Yeah. Uh, Brad Bender keeps spearing people. I don't think any, Mark Marquez keeps tucking the front because the Honda shit. Yeah. Fabio Quartararo's riding a bike with a, a one CC engine. <laughs> no one has the provisions to win this title. Yeah, well, that, that, that means only one thing for it. The person that's going to win the championship is going to be Miguel Oliveira. We have no choice. He has the least amount of downside of any rider out there. Well, given the current rumors, he might want to get this one in while he can. <laughs> exactly. More on that in a bit. Yeah, um, but, uh, but, but yeah, like <sighs> he had the opportunity to take 25 points. Instead, he not only dropped those points, he dropped them directly to Pecco because Pecco was back to something resembling his best. Mm. He was he was a mess in qualifying, a mess in the sprint. Turned it on for the race. That was the first time anybody's won a MotoGP race from row five since the Turkish Grand Prix of 2006. Was that one Marco Melandri? I believe it was at Shanghai. Uh, I don't sorry, sorry, it was Istanbul. Remember, remember, yeah. remember, remember when we used to race in Turkey? That, that was a thing. Um, yeah, uh, God. Yeah, that was the last time he had a row five winner in MotoGP. You don't win from back there. And don't get Especially me wrong. now with the, yeah. the state of the bikes as well. And uh, yeah, like, with the state of the bikes, it would have been so hard to overtake people. And the fact that I still am not fully convinced Banyaya was stupid fast. Like, I, I think a big part of the reason he won this race was because he had the hard front tire. Yeah, the, because the, uh, the, this was brutal on tires. In fact, Michelin <laughs> told the field after practice and after the sprint, do not use the soft. You might not even want to use the medium. Um, and the Ducati typically, it's not a fan of the hard front because of the things that the Ducati is not good at. It, doesn't always have the best front end mm. um but in this case with the wear being so high it actually ended up working out for him i think a pretty i might have thrown away an easy dub this weekend because this, 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 is, this is exactly their sort of conditions where it's low grip very dusty sort of surface because they don't race around this track very often and in the in that sort of low grip environment the pretty shines um yeah. and they decided to all put the softs on <clears throat> I, what I the don't fuck get were it. you doing, Aprilia? <sighs> and we know that that bike does have occasional tire wear issues. I don't understand what they were doing. Um, because the only, this the only one been... who did, yeah. The only one who didn't toss it was Maverick Vinales, and he was on medium, medium. <sighs> yeah. And it showed that he had something resembling pace, not of the Ducatis, but certainly enough to keep them in range. <clears throat> um, and indeed, the, the, state, the state of the track actually ended up really kind of messing with a few of the bikes. Um, and somehow Fabio Quartararo, <laughs> one of the ride of the year candidates, because he dragged that bike where it had no right to be. He, f he finished less than a second off the win. It was uh, in incredible how Fabio Quartararo was genuinely competitive um, for the win on the Yamaha. According to Matt Oxley, he said that because of the the, comp the, the way the hard tire was composed, apparently they, they brought a thicker carcass on specifically on the hard tire. It apparently mitigated a lot of Yamaha's problems compared to Ducati, and that's what led to Fabio being genuinely competitive out there using the hard front. And again, you wouldn't normally expect that in MotoGP, but this is 
Um, you know, this, this is the way. But in Indonesia is strange when it comes to tires. It was like this last year as well before the rain came down on Sunday, where nobody quite. That's the impression that I overall get from this race weekend. Nobody knew what tires to run, and that made for a messy Grand Prix. Where look. Banaya won from 13th. I'm not fully convinced he was that much faster than everybody else. I, mean, I think it was just a matter well, he, of the And he fact- wasn't. He was getting run down at the end of the race. Mar- Martin, before he dumped it, and he, he put it out there, he just lost concentration. Yeah. He just made a stupid mistake, which he cannot... I mean, he has the pace. The pace has never been the problem. No. It's been, can he harness it? Can he do those amazing lap times without doing something stupid? For four or five races, there was working pretty well for him, but the old Martin cropped up again, and it was a thirty-point swing, Dre, in clutch it's a, time. It's a, it's, yeah, that was that was the math I had that as I, I think if Jorge Martin, assuming all things being roughly equal, if Martin wins that race and Banyaya finishes in second, um, he he leaves Indonesia twelve points in front. He's now minus eighteen. And that's a massive difference. You know, you, uh, if you're leaving Indonesia with back-to-back double victories, you've got Banyaya <laughs> under real pressure. Yeah, you've got you've got the the ball has to be in Peko's court. He has to go out and try to beat you. Mm. And up to that point on the weekend, I mean, it was looking like one of Banyaya's dud weekends on the year. Yeah. Um, until the race, and then Martin just throws it away. Yeah, it's 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 it it's just it's it's poor racecraft from Jorge Martin. And look, like you can get away with this every once in a while when you're a plucky underdog and your your average finish is sixth. You can't afford to do that now in 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 motor. Like you're now a championship, arguably favorite on raw speed right now. Someone did the math on this. I was looking at Pecco's currently leading the title on sixty two percent of all points available. Mm-hmm. He did it on less last year. What was it? Like 53% of the points available. Mm. If either of these two would just knock off their bullshit and bring home more of the points, they would be miles out in front. These are the but both two, of them just keep yeah. throwing points on the ground. Yeah, these are the two fastest riders in MotoGP right now, without any shadow of a doubt, and yet they both have inherent flaws in their mental arsenal that is holding them back from running the field over. Like, yeah. well, and the other two that have had, and the other two riders that have had the proven, you know, fighting for a title. Well, they're both on shit boxes right now. Yeah, in the bad bike championship. Fabio just sent a message. Like he is still him. him. He just does not have the bike to show it, nor will he for the foreseeable future. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, it's, it's 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 disappointing to say the least. I mean, like it, it's going to go. We, we've got five races to go in over the last six weeks <laughs> of this championship campaign, and it's going to come down to who makes the least amount of mistakes at the the, 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 the rate this is going right now. Um, and now, like Martin has more than got enough raw speed to beat Banyaya head to head. He's the only man in the field I can say that about right now. And that yeah, alone is on the him- same he's on yeah. the same equipment. Um the problem here is that it's like every four or five races one of them throws a race in the drink. Yeah. And, and that's what it might boil down to because like I said, we we just saw a 30 point swing. And honestly, I think there's there's gonna be a bit of needle 
between these two in this title fight mm. now because this was it mentally i thought this was very interesting after the rest and i'm not normally the mind games expert because i think a lot of it is bullshit but what i will say is is that jorge martin was very flippant in how he talked about this crash said he lost concentration he said oh well it's been 14 races i was bound to make a mistake eventually no martin you've made plenty of mistakes this year you went like, bowling in austria like that was ruined less- your own race as a result that was less than six weeks ago. Like, like, no, it's not been your first mistake in in fourteen race weekends this year. He made and, a mistake in Japan. He just got away with it. Yeah, and the it could have very easily been a down. Yeah, if he puts it in the if he, if he puts the front wheel in the gravel in those conditions, he's toast. Yeah. Um, and and that's the end of his race weekend. And Banyayo takes twenty five full points um, rather than the twenty he got when you beat him over the line in Japan. I mean, look, the way we're looking at it right now. Martin is still talking like a man who's just finishing the odd race win here and there and is finishing in the top six in the title. This is a different ball game. You're now competing for a world championship. You're now on the brink of making history as the first person in the MotoGP era to win on a satellite machine. We've never had this before. Um, like, well, not really, not to this degree, where a, a genuine customer has got a real absolute arguably favorite to win the title level opportunity here right now and you're talking about ah oh, it's not a big deal it is a big deal he just blew 30 points yeah and it's a massive deal and peco's vulnerable visibly yeah. vulnerable has been since the barcelona crash i mean he had his legs run over by a motorcycle right and, and got away with it and, and peco relatively gave speaking it, and peco gave it back when he won that race he put he put the hand to the ear like can you hear me now basically after winning that race now don't get me wrong i don't think this 13th this win from 13 was as impressive as some people are making out to be um i think banyai had a lot of help to get to this point there was a lot of really silly riding in front of him in the early portions of this race and behind him as well guys who you'd expect to contend but didn't but it seems like Banyaya is starting to play into the mind games of this title fight a little bit more now. They've been very friendly, these two, over the course of this of this title rivalry so far, but now it seems like the serious business is about to begin, and that's what will make it interesting, because Banyaya does not normally act like that when he wins a Grand Prix. He feels like he's been overlooked. Um, and I've mentioned this point in a couple of blogs before, does it feel like Francesco Bagnaia is the best rider in the world sometimes? Because it feels like he doesn't get talked about like he is. Well, I think a lot of the discussion goes around to his equipment. Mm-hmm. And this time, the year, I mean, last year, he was on, the factory Ducatis were on effectively their own mix of bike. And Pramac yes. effectively got crippled for the whole year because the actual full GP22 had major rideability problems. Yes. Um, the hybrid 2122 bike was the move. Mm. Now they're both on GP23s. They've pretty much had six of one, half a dozen of the other. They've had pretty much the same season up to this point. Yeah. Um, Martin's probably been a bit more reckless around other riders. Benyaya's probably made maybe one more unforced mistake. Sure. Um, and then, but then there's this one. So now they've they've both thrown away a relatively comfortable win from the front. Yeah, a big gimme because Banyaz was Kota. <laughs> yeah, as he starts to break rims, he just folds the front and crashes. Mm. Um, and 
it just feels like when you watch someone like Fabio put together what he does on the Yamaha, knowing how poor the Yamaha is, when you see Mark ripping results out of the Honda, and don't get me wrong, he was a mess this weekend. All the Hondas were a mess this weekend. He openly admitted he didn't even try Marquez this weekend. He was like, I wasn't even pushing. He didn't feel like that was a point. He's phoning it in at this point. Yeah, I think he has completely mentally checked out of Honda, because what's it worth? I think he'd rather just low side it rather than high side himself into the hospital. It's better to just drop the bike simple yeah. in a terrible sort of way and get back up and walk back to the pits because <coughs> uh, every other Honda was basically running dead last. Morbidelli looks like he's phoning it in at this point. He's getting on a much better bike next year. There's so many candidates for, you know, that top echelon of bike of motorcycle rider right now. And it only feels like two of those are really on a Ducati right now. And the two of them are both fucking up repeatedly. Yeah, it's 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 we would call this title fight if it was a person, a quote, messy bitch, because that's what it feels like right now. And there is no clear cut answer as to where this championship is going right now. And yeah, like Martin on on paper is the favorite. I don't know how much Banyaya is close to 100% of his maximum, given the Catalonia injury and the fact that, you know, Indonesia wasn't really a a prototypical MotoGP race. But that's kind of what makes it interesting. And now we're going to the great equalizer next weekend, Phillip Island. Now that is going to be fascinating to see who's going to be in contention during that one, because we all know Phillip Island balances the books unlike any other race on the the MotoGP calendar every year. I tend to think, given the the current form book, I don't know how much of that we're going to see this year. I think it's going to be very dependent on how windy it is. Mm -hmm. Because they actually have set aero regs for Phillip Island that the teams can take basically their side pod wings off. Yes. Uh, See, they can police aerodynamics. They just don't, because normally it's not almost a guaranteed crash, rather a likely crash. Um, and it's going to depend on how good I think this GP23 really is in that kind of environment. Because again, last year's bike was a little bit compromised. Last year's bike, the best one around this track was the fucking Suzuki. Mm. And that ain't here anymore. Exactly. Alex Rins breaking like a madman into turn one. It's- yeah, absolutely mental stuff. A couple of little minor things to address. We talked a little bit about Fabio Quattararo, um over the course of this weekend. And again, a phenomenal ride. A, a phenomenal ride to Fabio DG Antonio as well. Deserves a lot of... Top independent. Lo- top independent, fourth place, career high finish from him in tears in, in, in the Parc Ferme after the race was over. Um, it was actually really genuinely touching to hear his words about it because obviously, if you, you probably put two and two together, it was officially confirmed on the Thursday of that past weekend that Mark Marquez is going to Grassini and it'll be at Fabio DG Antonio's expense. Um, DG's fighting for a job at the moment um, and he brought home his best career result in, directly in the aftermath of knowing that he was about to lose his job. Um, props to him. He openly said that, look, I, I have my heart on my sleeve. It's been very hard for me this year, knowing that this news has been hanging over my head for most of the year. Um, and he just wants to prove himself. And well, that's certainly the go that goes a long way to help Fabio. 
certainly. Um, it's a shame because if he had done more of that throughout this year, he might not be losing his his seat. But mm, you know, up to this point, he's been not great, really messy. Yeah, the the worst of the eight Ducatis. That's that. There's no getting around that. And he he just said, look, the the words that touched me the most is where he said, look. This result proves I had this in me the whole time. That the kids needed to be more patient with me. To which I say, you're probably right, but unfortunately, motorsport is not a game of patience anymore. The the, the days of the project oh. rider are done for the most part. We now need results immediately because these grids are getting more and more competitive and more and more ruthless. We yeah. talk about it in this sport and in F1, you know. Yeah, I can't agree more. And really, like. Uh, so with the patience, the patience outside, I mean, it's been three quarters of the year. And throughout the year, it's been clear last of the Ducatis. And when you look at him up against Alex Marquez, who people were questioning why he's even in Moto, basically that he is a nepotism hire through and through. Um, yeah. Alex Marquez has folded him like a calzone this year. Yeah. And. Yeah, and, that, and this is year two for Fabio as well. Like, you, you know, rookies are rookies. You you always give them a, a, a longer rope. But the year mm. two, um, it, it's a, it's a sad story for Fabio because like he's he, you can clearly tell that this means the world to him, and it was a, it was a, a phenomenal performance in 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 a vacuum. Do not get me wrong. Um, you know, so it, it, it's just a shame that uh, he might he might have left it too late. Or hey, who knows? He might end up a Honda. We'll have to <laughs> wait. <and see. laughs> Um, and also, before we we'll get to that very shortly, um, but uh, also Marco Bezzecchi, who we, we talked about in our previous show, had broke his collarbone in a training crash at the route at the ranch. Rumors are Valentino Rossi may have given him a little helping hand towards that, depending on who you ask. Um, Bez had his operation this past Monday, uh, going into that race weekend, raced on it, didn't take painkillers. And finished in fifth. That is that Ridiculous. that is built different. <sighs> that is outrageous. I mean, <laughs> that is different. Collar a broken collarbone. I've had a bone bruise on a collarbone. That shit hurts. Broken collarbone. Pin that shit back together and ride a three hundred horsepower MotoGP bike. Different gravy. I, I don't like necessarily I've said it before I don't necessarily like endorsing the gladiatorial nature of being a motorcycle racer but it's hard not to admire the the dexterity and the pain management and the determination of a man who's on the outside you know he still has an outside shot at winning the title but realistically if it is pump he's probably locked into third at this point he needs help he needs yeah. help from the front too Exactly. Uh, and he, he sees he his 60 points himself. back now. He hasn't helped himself enough this year regarding no. his own bozo moments. Yeah, um, it's, it's, it's weird because we're talking about a guy who's in the middle of his breakout. It's like it's like Bastianini from last year all over again, where it was like, you know, are we evaluating you as like a guy who's only in his like third full-time season and, you know, is clearly incredibly talented? You were kind of in Jorge Martin's shadow when you were in Moto3 and Moto2, and now you've had a breakout year on your own. And like now we're evaluating him like he's a title contender or he's not quite been good enough. And who's the the other guy contending for the title? Oh, that's right, it's Jorge Martin again. Hey, Bez must be getting real sick of this shit. Like yeah, this entire grid has a bozo gene. Oh, absolutely. No one could put together a fully clean season at the moment. Like Fabio no. Quadrado might be our only hope here. 
Yeah, he, he has had generally, and he has not been all clean either. No. He's had a couple major bozo moments of his own, but he's not doing them with the consistency that everyone else in front and a few behind have been doing. He right. Isn't on the equipment to do uh, what we know he's capable of. Exactly. It's all just, it's it, again, it, it's all various degrees of mess up in this bitch without questions. Like, I, I actually, it almost feels hard talking about Marco Bezzecchi that way because, again, he's having an absolute, in a vacuum, this is a f- absolutely insanely good season Marco Bezzecchi has had. He stepped up from, you know, like, bottom of the top 10 outsider and rookie of the year to genuine title contender. That's a massive leap up for, for Bez this year. He did what Bastianini essentially did last year. Out of nowhere, he's to, he's completely improved as a bike rider almost overnight. And yet now for evaluating him as a title contender, it's like, ah, a bit disappointing. This sport is weird. <laughs> this sport is fucking weird. Right. Speaking of weird. Yes. Silly season. Because uh, contrary to previous rumors, Johan Zarco will not be moved up to Repsol Honda after all. Meaning that uh, we don't we don't actually know who's going to replace Mark Marquez on uh, on the orange shitbox. <laughs> Apparently, the front runner for this is RNF's Miguel Oliveira, who Honda have been openly courting. Should Miggy move? No. And how should Honda play the situation? This is a strange scenario because, like, when I first gave this some thought about potentially Miguel Oliveira going to Honda, my first thought was 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 no. My second thought was fuck no. But then I thought about it a little bit more, and I'm sitting here going, okay, do you really want to be on a, on last year's Aprilia as well? Like, don't get me wrong. It's, it's a better bike on paper, but you're never going to win anything on the previous year's Aprilia as a satellite customer. That's my thought. And don't, You'd don't get... be moving to HRC as an act of faith that they right. can get the ship righted. And that's and that's that is why I'm not completely slamming the door on on this potential move because I'm sitting here going, well, if Honda can find something, you're now potentially front of the queue. You, the only opportunity you've got is Johan Mir, who has absolutely struggled to to hell and back on this Honda. And Miguel has proven he is a pretty versatile talent. He did very well as a KTM rider, won five times on a KTM across both. Factory and, and satellite team, you know, especially a rain or dry. He has won multiple MotoGP races in his life. Five of them. There's there's not many people on this grid that have won five MotoGP races, believe it or not. Only about five or six if, if, if off the top of my head. Um, a, lot, a lot of people in MotoGP go their whole career without winning one. Yeah, he has five. Zarco. Yeah, Zarco is the greatest, arguably greatest MotoGP rider who has never won a top flight race. Yes, I think 15 podium finishes without winning. Um, and you know, Zarko is, a, again, a quality rider. Um, so for me, I don't think this is as straightforward as Miguel saying, Haha, it's a Honda, fuck no. I mean, you're, as, as Cam, as you quite rightly said, it's an act of faith. Uh, how much faith do you have in Honda to write the ship? Absolutely fucking none. <laughs> uh, because, I mean, the, does... Does his health survive that transition? Because all four Honda riders have ridden at some point with a major injury this year. Mark, bevy of injuries. 
Rins shattered his leg. It came out in this previous week that that crash, the bone exploded. Yeah. The bone actually exploded in Rins' leg. Your bones are not meant to explode. Generally speaking, no. No. Mir has been concussed more times than I can count, and Takanakagami is still nursing the fact that he basically has half a hand. (laughs) Like, (sighs) would his health survive that, is my question. Because it's not the fact that the Honda is slow. It's the fact that it wants you dead, your family dead, your house burned to the ground, yeah, etc. It, it will kill you, your mother, and your <laughs> children. Yes, it, like that is a problem. And um, yeah, it, this, I openly admit the previous two minutes was me trying to talk myself into an argument. Like on paper, you don't, you you, you avoid Honda like the plague. <coughs> but I, un, I genuinely do understand why Miggy would consider it. He's openly said he, he would consider of- it. <laughs> Mm, still delicious COVID. Mm. Um, I mean, it's HRC. And it's the biggest, fa- even in a disastrous era, they're still the biggest factory around. They still have the biggest budget. They still have the most R&D potential, um, which just shows you how bad things actually are, that everything's going on, and yet they are still this bad. But if you they, if they find a path forward... <laughs> They will win again. Absolutely. It's not a matter of, of if, it's a matter of when. And how many riders can say in their career they were given a factory HRC contract offer? Not many. Not many. And look, there's there's contract shit to dispute here as well, because apparently Miggy does not have an escape clause in his contract. Mono would have to buy him out. Yeah, Honda they got the have, money. They got the money. Uh, do, like, the question is, do, do you want Miggy that badly? Don't get me wrong. If you're Honda, you you've not got a better option. You don't have you don't have enough bodies to throw at the problem. You're out of bodies. Two of your factory riders just bailed while right. under contract. Rins is um, gone. Marquez is gone. You're not promoting Johan Zarco, which, which I do not understand why. If you're Honda, like he's uh, look, Johan Zarco, same to about him, is is arguably the most versatile talent in MotoGP. He's been for four different manufacturers now, and he's had good success with at least three of them. He's ridden your Honda before, okay? He briefly, he wasn't terrible. No, he was. He was. He, he was a great, fine. He wasn't terrible. He was a fine midfielder on on the Honda when he filled in over there when he was. But he jettisoned himself out of KTM. Like that was the only factory he didn't really perform with. But where KTM was then, and where Honda is now, there there are very different levels of buried a thousand. One was buried beneath the ocean. One is in the Earth's crust. My point is, if you've got Johan Zarco in your wing, you fully utilize him. I don't see what yeah. I don't see what you do putting him on a on, on an LCR. Hmm. Well, now they're, I mean, Honda's running four full factory bikes at this point. I mean, it's at this point, I think, given given the internal state of that team, they're just throwing shit at the wall and seeing what sticks. And, I mean, you're going to have next year, if we put this on paper, mm. um, you would have Miguel Oliveira, Johan Mir, Johan Zarco, and Takanakagami. It's still a very powerful lineup. That's still on paper. one of the best lineups that you could put together. If if you put together, uh, if if you'd pulled out of MotoGP Fantasy, you could do worse than that. I just you, 
think whoever yeah. throws a leg over that bike is fucked regardless. You have a MotoGP world champion. <laughs> you have a two-time Moto2 world champion. And Miguel Oliveira, who is one of the most one of the most talented riders that has not won a world championship in any class he's been in. Like a, a, multi, a runner-up a runner up in Moto3 and a runner-up in Moto2. A guy that was very nearly beat Francesco Bagnaia on the exact same bike in Moto2 four years ago. The talent on the, the I cannot stress this enough. The ceiling on Miggy is huge. He is absolutely well, an, often it, often in his time in KTM, right? Dre? It was just he, however hot or cold he blew, was however hot or cold the KTM was blowing right. on a given weekend because we know that's what that team does. They still do it. Um, it's just that Bender, who you know, one of the rider of the year contenders up to, I'd say, pretty recently because. What the fuck is he doing the last couple of races? He's been a mess. Wrong, wrong, wrong side of the aggression line. He's normally very good at being on the right side of that line. Not this time. Not this time. Um, I just don't think... I don't think riders are going to fix what's wrong with Honda. No. I don't Not think... They, no matter what feedback you bring, if the engineers keep handing you the same thing over and over again, it's not going to matter. Um, the Honda riders were united in their front of what they needed out of the 2024 prototype. Marquez throws a leg over it, laps for uh, laps for a couple, a few laps, and said, "Yeah, it's still shit," and leaves. As all the and it has all the same problems, and then he bailed. Uh, Alex Rins got out of there as fast as he possibly could with a performance clause. I went to Yamaha. You don't cross who, that who line. Reek. <laughs> Up against Fabio Quattararo, who, if nothing else, is very established on that bike, and you could not get someone on that bike to get more out of it than Fabio was doing this year. Yeah. This is also, you know what's amazing? One of the most valuable people that Honda has lost, and I've not even mentioned their name until now, Cal Crutchlow. Cal Crutchlow was an outstanding development rider. He really was. He, 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 no, there's few people on the on the there's a few people on the planet that know more about bike racing than Cal Crutchlow. Yeah, well, and look at what he said pretty much every year, um, up to you know the crux of Honda's problem. The last two years, it was like, yeah, the bike just keeps getting worse and worse. The only person who can do anything with it is Mark, because he's talked to me. He looks at Mark's data. He goes, "I understand it, but I can't do it." <laughs> um. But the fact that he can even understand it speaks to his quality as a development rider. He's gone to Yamaha. He's told him, look, your direction is wrong. You actually need to take power off of the bike because by adding power, you've just ruined everything that the bike was good at. Yeah. Your that aero was- direction is wrong. Your engine direction is wrong. And for, for all I've just praised Fabio, Fabio's request of, oh, just add power and I'll deal with it hasn't really worked. Yeah, like you're you're still talking about a 24 year old young rider that probably doesn't have the level of experience to make that sort of demand about <coughs> what makes a quality bike tick and turn because Cal Crutchlow has been doing this for over a decade, you know, and he was a, a damn good rider in his own right. At, at his very best, he was a MotoGP race winner and you know one of the best independent riders in the sport. Um, that's what Crutchlow could do, and he, he did that on a Yamaha and a Honda. He was just a quality rider across the board. He, 
that is an invaluable sort of guy to have in your in your back pocket. And Honda lost him too, alongside Pedrosa, who's done great work at KTM and, and turning them into a genuine viable factory contender. Um, and right now, the second best team in MotoGP. It's 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 he's been a he's, he's a huge part of what's made them successful. And well, and the yeah. approach that Ducati and KTM have taken is rather than build build what you think is the fastest and find someone to ride it irrespective of what it's like to ride they've all they've been all about the bike right give the bike give the best bike to your riders the most usable bike you can and see where that gets you and if you get the right person on that bike it works yeah ducati has a couple of them ktm as brad bender needs to chill a little bit still in his best uh, season in moto gp mind you well ktm's best season as well yeah in terms right. of c- competition, at least. Yeah, Binder's a top six guy before. He's a top four guy now. Like, he's, he's, he's coming, he's getting closer, but he's not quite in what we would call title contending sort of range just yet. Um, but you're absolutely right. I mean, yeah, that's the state of the camp. And, well, let's look a little bit bigger, a little bit on, because this is, this is an interesting article that's done the rounds in the last couple of days. And, not like, again, if, Max, if Matt Oxley and David Emmett are praising somebody else's work then i will i will always you sit uh, up and listen yeah you sit up and listen because they're the best in the business and uh two wheels all four as far as i'm concerned and yeah there was an interesting article from a guy called dario dewet sorry if i mispronounced his name um i put it on his medium um website and it was the article heads headline why moto like dawn of sports and why moto gp needs new shareholders and fast and dario is a massive I want to speak enough in the background there. Um, <laughs> weird. Um, no, I'll say like, like it's he's a huge MotoGP fan, and he he spends a lot of the article gassing up how great the sport is, which is always a good start with me mm. um, because he's right. Um, he's he's speaking from a fan perspective who has knowledge about how the sport works as a business, and. He he wrote an intriguing article saying that there's rumors going around that Bridgepoint, the parent company of Dorna, is considering selling their stake um, of Dorna Sports, that obviously runs and uh, runs the MotoGP commercial wing. Essentially, very similar to how Formula One management runs Formula One as a sport, where you know, obviously, outside of the FIM as a governing body, for example. Hmm. Um, it's a very intriguing article with a lot of interesting theories about what the sport needs where it's at and and where it's been now i put in big capital letters must read <laughs> when i put this in my set list and i did read it this afternoon and i was like hmm i mean what did you make of it cam because i'll tell you where i feel about it because i was like thank god someone with some clout has been saying what i've been saying for the last two or three years don't really have a lot to add on that and to kind of tldr it you you have kind of a perfect storm where you've lost your biggest star the person who made your sport as mainstream as it was with valentino and the heir apparent the most marketable guy in the wake of valentino uh snapped his arm like a twig yeah in the meantime and in that vacuum we've not really had a you know, a public facing star emerge out of the remaining riders. The closest thing has been Fabio, but Fabio's not on a competitive machine either. No. He's no longer at, you know, he's not fighting up at the front anymore. And even then, his appeal outside of France is relatively limited. 
yeah, like it's 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 it 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 was the exact sort of article that I was I needed to validate a lot of my passing thoughts about the state of the sport. You look at the situation right now and you go, the last three world champions that MotoGP has had in the Marquez broken arm era, as I like to now nickname it, it Johan Mir, who had twenty five thousand Twitter followers and he won the world title. Yeah. I mean, I've seen Formula One fan accounts with more more range than him. And he snuck that title because really he he didn't think of him as a title contender. It's like, oh, it's it's going to be one of the Yamaha boys or it was going to be Andrea DeVizioso. As it turns out, Ducati had a disastrous year in 2020. Mm. The new tire casing did not work for them. Um, Ironically, having such a disastrous year then laid the foundations of what they are now. Uh, The beat him down 9000. And Mir snuck through just, to, and he didn't win it in a flashy way either. He just rolled the points, and he kept rolling points. He almost won it without a win. Um, one yeah. race win on the year. Yeah, you have Fabio, who has more or less been demoted from perennial title contender to backmarker this year as a result of his equipment. And you have Pecco, who, well, when pe- people cite how great he is, and don't get me wrong, Pecco Benyaya mm. is great. Absolutely. People just say, oh, he's on the best bike. And pe- it, and the people who use that as the gotcha are getting a little bit of that gotcha in play because Jorge Martin is pushing him on the same equipment. It's weird because we never we never talked about MotoGP in that sort of... I, I, look, maybe it's because Dorna has chased the Formula One bag so hard and have been very blatant in chasing Formula One's bag in the last half decade or so that they've now taken some of that fan mentality with them because we talk in Formula 1 all the time about guys dominate with best machinery. We never really did that in MotoGP. We had Valentino Rossi who won with two different manufacturers. We knew how the sausage was made with MotoGP in the the late 2000s to early 2010s when it was a two-bike sport. It was either you won on a Honda, you won on a Yamaha, or you were Casey Stoner. He was the exception, and he left Ducati to go to Honda to make it a two-bike sport again afterwards anyway. So, like, now, a decade later, we're kind of in a weird sort of crux sort of situation now where instead of it being, we just didn't care. Now, apparently, we care more because as a result, it's kind of taken the shine off Francesco Bagnaia because he's not he's no longer the only person that can maximize the Duke. Because Martin's been able to do it. Bez has won multiple races this season. And Aya Bastianini won four races last year as well. You know, it's so it's... It's kind of and, further highlighted. It's a, it's a Ducati sport at the moment. Yeah. And on top of that, the fact that the on-track product isn't what it was a couple of years ago because of the aero, because of the ride height devices, where now the on-track action is much more like that, that you know, the, the big car, big tire aero era of F1 mm. in 2018 to 2019. If you got up behind someone, there's just nothing you can do about it. Right. Um, and that's with the help of DRS in uh, Formula One, which... As we talk about when we talk about Formula One, it's a necessary evil. Even these cars, and no matter what your opinion is on these regulations, the 2022 and 2023 cars are better at following and fighting than the previous gen cars. But they still need DRS to help mitigate their problems because it's not an engineer's job to make something that races well. It's their job to make it fast. And every time you develop regulations, the engineers always, it's what they're paid to do. They're there to find the holes and punch the holes in the regulations. And if the sport can't regulate them, 
to keep that balance, you get what we have in MotoGP right now, which is the Dirty Air Fest. Um, it's, it's all about micromanagement. <laughs> like, yeah, like, well, you like, have like, to keep the balance between the engineers running unchecked and regulating your sport. <clears throat> yeah, it's it's we, we, we're not going to pretend like we're in a great place with the on-track products right now because it's it's not what it was you know, three or four years ago before Aero really became the prevalent benefactor of this sport where we were getting banners week in, week out. It's not like that in MotoGP at the moment. Um, We're relying on crashes to provide drama. And look, that's the one piece of Dario's piece that I didn't agree with. They were trying to say, oh, we need to to put the heroism at the forefront. No, you don't. You need to try and create a more entertaining product at the moment. like... The, the like, heroism should come from the riding of the bikes, not the crashing of the bikes. Correct. You know, like, um, we don't need that shit. Like, like, like that heroism is why Mark Marquez missed four years of his prime. Yeah, and and I mean the we, one, the and, one, and we, the one bankable it, it, star you've got. Yeah, and and we we would gas it up every week on the show as well, and we're guilty of it too. Watching this we're dude all guilty do of it, absolutely the most batshit insane saves you've ever seen. Well, eventually, there's one he couldn't save that snapped his arm um but it's just this perfect storm of you don't have a great on-track product it's still impossible to watch in the united states unless you're dorna and you uh charge my card early on the free trial and cost me 160 dollars <laughs> it's expensive as hell to watch it in the u.s yeah um it's expensive to hell to watch as hell to watch it in a lot of places um you don't have a bankable star right now because the guy who is winning, people complain he's on the best bike due to the, what I call the footballification of motorsport fandom, the 04 Yankees Red Soxification. <laughs> um, your person sucks because I say so. Believe me, I live just north of Boston. I lived it. Oh, yeah. It's, 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 it's Yankees the, fucking uh- suck. It's people coming. Fuck you, up with- King. Yeah. <laughs> Still mad about the Aaron Rodgers comparison, and then <laughs> never forgive him for that. No, but you have all of that, and then you get all of that together, all in the space of about two years. Absolutely. Look, and the all these things have hit the sport in this in the space of the last <laughs> couple of years. It's not ideal at all. Um, <coughs> it's not all the sport's fault. Like I said, you could have never facilitated Mark Marquez breaking his arm and then the freakish incidents that have come as a result of that. And like I said, he lost four years of his prime as, mm. a, as a direct result of that or indirect result of that even. You know, like, Johan Mir came out of nowhere to win a world title, which, you know, you'd think would be great, but they didn't promote that anywhere near enough. And it was when the world wasn't watching. It was in, it was the in most a time. Notable, you know what the most notable discussion was around Mir winning the title? was after he won the title when he was like, ooh, am I going to run the one or not? Find out. And then he didn't. Um, <laughs> yeah. And then Fabio gets his title back that he probably should have won in 2020 and fucked around and found out. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, you know, that title as well, people mitigated that too because Peko couldn't stop crashing on what was clearly a vastly superior motorcycle. And then it comes the Ducati so superior in 22 that that's all people could say. So you have one after another after another of titles where people go, yeah, but did they really? Yeah. And And the only one who was really established before then as a star was Fabio. 
fighting with Mark in 2019. 100%. And the, the, the also mentioned in the piece that, you know, well, what now? And 2024 is going to be a 22-race season next year. The biggest MotoGP calendar <laughs> ever. Starts back end of March, goes all the way to the third week of November. It's a massive season. We're going to Kazakhstan again, which is a really nice way of saying we're going to Hungary next year. Um, (laughs) And and then you stack on top of that a questionable calendar. Mm -hmm. And you stack on top of that, I mean... Questionable format. Questionable format, because if you had bankable stars this year and you had breakout stars, a bunch of them have gotten hurt. And, And then you've got the political factor of it as well, because... Carmelo Esperalto, who's the CEO of, of Dorna, didn't want KTM to have six bikes, which would have absolutely solved the Mark Marquez and Pedro Acosta problem right there and then. Because <laughs> you have another star waiting in the wings with Acosta, and we just had to fire one of the riders into the sun, and it was the guy who almost died to start the season. Paul Despargaro. Yeah. Look. This, this time, but Honda did not work out. But again, another quality bike rider, Moto Two World Champion, <coughs> quality independent with with Tech Three, uh, multiple times over. Like that, he's an, a sensational rider, always has been. It's just you know all of these hitting all at once, and then the racing product is not going to get any better in the short term. If anything, no. it's going to keep getting worse because the aero is going to continue to develop. The ride height devices on the backs of the bikes, which, by the way, we had another catastrophic failure on and it put Zarco out of this race. Yep. Ban that shit. Please do, for fuck's sake, honestly. You are, you have the provisions. It's a safety problem. Indeed. Um, Um, We're talking about, I'm not shocked. Yeah, we're talking all about that. We're getting riders hurt left, right, and center. We've still not had a full Grand Prix with the full grid at best of health because Alex Marquez pulled out of the weekend on Friday after his ribs were still causing him issues. Um, He couldn't breathe. He was in so much pain. Breathing breathing is relatively important. They tried having their own DTS clone in MotoGP Unlimited, and they botched it. It was was far too Spanish-centric, and people in other countries weren't interested. Um, That didn't help either. You know, so they've they've tried a, a lot of F1's tricks off the back of their big popularity boon of the pandemic era, and but it's the thing not is worked. That no matter no matter what you are, <laughs> despite the fact that I resent the words that I'm going to come out of, they're going to come out of my mouth because I love many categories in motorsport. They don't always love me back, sports car racing this year especially, but. <laughs> They ain't Formula One. No. And Formula One can, for better and for worse, usually for worse, kind of just do shit they can, and they have can. it work because they have so much pull. Yeah, they have so much money and so much capital and resources and the clout of a 75-year-long cultivated fan base that that talk about Formula One in a much more mainstream popularity like the MotoGP has ever had. Like, you know, that they can just do what they want and chances are it will work. F1 had more in the past year or so, past two years, when I talk to people, when I hear people out in public, they talk about Formula One in the U.S., which was never a thing when I was a kid. Mm. 
they that market is beginning to crack. MotoGP literally does not have a presence here. No. When they should be pushing for some of the same thing, because the U.S. is a huge market. And there's still a huge motorcycling culture here, even if it does get made fun of on South Park for assholes revving their Harleys at lights. It's the same here in the UK. Like, we had a captive audience of over a million watch MotoGP when it was free-to-wear on BBC Two. And that All- too. Yeah, we had we, it was on free to wear, and it was getting a million viewers a race on BBC Two. It's gone to BT Sport. It's pulling a tenth of that now. If you ever want to kill viewership of your event, you put it behind a paywall. I got the numbers for the British Grand Prix earlier this year. There are one hundred and five thousand watched that race in a the ten, UK. Literal tenth. You got the math spot on. Yeah, that's, and you know they they they, they had fifty five thousand at the Grand Prix. <laughs> There's there's no hard the hardcore biking audience of the UK is dead, and I would still argue it's one of their biggest markets. They're not doing themselves any favor trying to reach out to it because they just aren't. Yeah, um, it's why they want Jake Dixon to front that new docu series that Warner Brothers wants them to push because they want a British guy to front it. It's not much good if he's in Moto Two now, is it? No. And I mean, what coverage is Moto2 and Moto3 gotten? Because None. it feels like they're basically forgotten at this point. They are They are now back to what Formula 1 does with its junior categories. They are, they are world championships of their own right, but people don't care on a, on, a, on a mainstream level. So there's a lot of little things adding up here that are not helping. And honestly, there is no quick fix. Yeah, things in isolation. You know, so, so these things in isolation would not be that big of a deal. It's when they snowball. Mm. It feels like it's been snowballing really since 2020. Absolutely. Or really, even even I could say before that, when Valentino began to decline. decline. Mm. Um, because Valentino Rossi, love him or hate him, biggest star that the sport has ever seen. He made it a mainstream feature. He wasn't the rev counter on the car. He was the dashboard, the steering wheel, the engine, the brakes, suspension unit. Mark Marquez might, you know, might have been the rear bumper by comparison. That's just how it is, unfortunately, and that's where the sport's at at the moment. And it's certainly, like, I, I, I can't disagree with the overall premise of the article. Dorna needs to bring in some people with financial clout that's prepared to invest in this sport at a massive level and kick the door down of, uh, when it comes to the sporting <coughs> landscape. Because right now they're, they're they're suffocating compared to Formula One. There's no there's no there's no question about that. You know, they're, they're trying to build the, off their blueprint and it's not working that's how it is you can't copy the blueprint when at the end of the day <laughs> f1 has that power because they're for because they're formula one and for no other reason yeah and that enables them to do the good and terrible things that they do absolutely We'll talk more about that probably next week uh, when we talk about the... The The Max Verstappen experience comes to the United States. (laughs) Now Uh, now with a trophy that looks like a flashlight. Um, (laughs) Google it, folks. Be careful careful what comes up. I'm stealing your line. I'm stealing your line before we came in here. If you put your dick in it, does it light up the colors of your country? Like a Japan trophy. Apparently, you got to kiss it. I'm sure there's some sort of app for us that says which country the race winner comes from. Um, but uh, yeah, that yes, 
You kiss the trophy and it lights up in your color. Isn't that beautiful? It, please like our dumb sport. <laughs> um, anyway, <laughs> yes, Formula One has its United States Grand Prix this weekend with Max Verstappen. And, you know, I like Cota. Could, could be a fun race. We'll have to wait and see. The past uh, few races of Cota have been pretty solid. Yeah, should be a good one. I hope. <laughs> We can only hope it's a good one anyway. Uh, MotoGP is back this weekend for the Australian Grand Prix at Phillip Island. Ah. Ah, yes. We're eating. Mm. Yes. Yes. That's track and motorcycle racing. I can't wait for these bikes to somehow make that place a procession. If we do that, that's when it dies. That's when the sport's dead to me. If if we do that, we're we're quitting MotoGP coverage for the rest of the year. Um, Yeah, Phillip Island. So that'll be a fun doubleheader next week on Motorsport 101 where we talk about that Uh, and Formula One at the Circuit of the Americas. Um, (laughs) Hamilton Land, as I like to call it. Should be a fun weekend. Looking forward to how that gets down. You know where you can find us at Dre underscore WTF1, at CBuckley917, at Motorsport underscore. 101 motorsport 101 pod on instagram our website motorsport101.com patreon again forward slash motorsport101 for the backers financially on there we'll be back next week uh for the australian grand prix from philip island and formula one's united states grand prix from cota until then i've been dre harrison he's been cam buckley until next time sayonara My God, that's Suzuki with a steel chair.